depression can lead to a burnout so i am what i am today because i vehemently refused to give up so even if i've succeeded like three times but failed seven times at the end of the day i have come out as a smarter person i have grown i have learned my lessons which will always help me in the longer run so uh, i would say that always challenge yourself out of your comfort zone because that is where your real growth lies a deloitte consultant a un woman mckinsey next gen woman leader five times tedx speaker international rifle shooter chartered accountant and currently my batchmate from linkedin's creator accelerator special program where only 200 creators are selected from thousands of applications across country to learn to become better creators on linkedin now as you guessed it right all of this is an introduction of our guest on the show today Hi there! Welcome to Absolutely Right, India's first graphology-based leadership show. I'm your host Aditi Sarana. I'm a behavioral analyst, a high-performance coach, and founder of India's only mental gym for high performance called Apt. The website is aptmentalgym.com. If you haven't checked it out, please do because you require a mental workout to be mentally and emotionally fit so that you can be more productive, be a high performer, and become like one of our guests on the show who constantly question their own boundaries and achieve things that are unimaginable. Priyal Kenny, who has not only won more than one seventeen medals at a national and international level, she is also a founder of a non-profit. Play and Shine Foundation, where she has worked with more than five hundred volunteers and has impacted more than four thousand kids. This is unbelievable. Talking to Priyal was a treat. Her passion for sports, for sustainability, was infectious. If you think enough is enough, my life is getting to me. So much of stress that is happening around. You have to listen to Priya's interview today because she brings in newer ways in which she challenges herself every now and then. As you know, on this show, we not only talk about the great achievement of our guests, we talk about their struggles and we try and understand what goes inside their mind through all these conversations. So, without further ado, let me invite Priya and let's get this conversation started. Hi, Priya. Welcome to Absolutely Right. Hey, hey, Aditi! Such a uh, pleasure to actually be here today and having this amazing conversation with you. Like, what does it take to be a professional shooter? So, I think uh, if I have to give the most honest answer, it it actually requires you to come in with no skill set because people generally think that if I am a shooter, I should be of a specific height or I should have like this these strong muscles to carry the rifle or someone with immense concentration but it's it's just the opposite so it's it's quite a myth that you know you need, you need to be like exceptionally talented to be a shooter shooting is a sport that you can just like start and you you can pick it up it it really fits well you can imbibe it well it's very adaptive uh, but of course a few things that uh, you should be mindful of is if if you're someone who specifically loves aggressive sport like a few of my friends always enjoyed more of football where they like playing offense so if you are someone of that sort or you are someone who uh, in general finds it very difficult to build on your concentration skills because uh, at the end of the day you're standing in one place for 3 hours with just a rifle and a couple of bullets and shooting the same target like you know uh, bullet after bullet or shot after shot so if you're someone that really gets irritated by all that uh, monotonous thing that seeps in during a match then then probably you will not enjoy the sport but to pursue the sport you actually don't need anything it's it's everything you learn um through training you you build that kind of discipline you build the kind of concentration skills you 
you really master your technique so it's it's baby steps but you learn as you grow as a shooter is there any age limit to start yeah I, I was just going to say you have a new student now you have oh, a oh my god mentee. like really real so uh, we met aparna popat the double uh, olympian so she okay. and he both like ganged up against me and like aditi you have to start playing a sport <laughs> your whole life would change after that and it does since i'm like what can i play what can i play and i don't like any competitive sports to be to be very on like, like the whole okay. football to like i don't like it so this sounds like my thing i'm going to give yeah. it a shot and and that is the beauty of the sport that it doesn't come with any retirement age that a swimming or a gymnastics comes with so we even fact had olympians at the age of 65 70 we've had an olympic medalist at a 60 something so it's it's a very beautiful sport where it doesn't come with an age as long as you're enjoying you can keep up with the training you can continue and i think this is one reason why i really love the sport because it gave me so much of flexibility career wise like in 2016 when I was really at a threshold where I was like, either I can continue with my shooting at an international circuit or really focus on academics for the next two or three years. It was much easier for me to, you know, uh, take a step back, focus on academics, finish finish my CA degree, and then in three years again make a comeback for that sport because it it's something you can pick up at any point of time. So, so you're saying that once you when the process begins, anybody can start at any point in time, and how how difficult the training is. Uh, so the training really depends on the kind of uh, event you are pursuing. For example, if you do the ten meter event, ideally ten meter rifle shooters uh, train for two to three hours, or if it's it's like a heavy training session, they train for three to four hours. On the higher side, maybe five to six hours a day. And then of course, there's a little bit of um, physical training because you you have to do yoga, you have to do your gym, you have to do specific training exercises that might be recommended from a physiotherapist. There's also a bit of a mental training. So, if you are someone who is like a professional rifle shooter doing this full time, associated with the Indian shooting team, uh, trainings can go on for as long as the entire day. But if you are someone who is doing it as a side hustle, someone like me who is trying to multitask it with all the other things, even two hours a day and five days a week is is enough to stay in touch or to you know maintain your performance. So, as far as the ten meter event specifically is considered, so just to give. Uh, A, a brief background uh, for the 10 meter event you just need an air rifle and to possess an air rifle you don't need an arms license because uh, you are not using actual bullets so you're typically using pellets so anyone can buy an air rifle if you can uh, afford it and really like start using it start training with it so as far as the 10 meter ranges are concerned where air rifles are used there are a dozen of them in mumbai in fact i believe now more than a dozen of them because all you need is 10 meters of space and and you can just like get started with a shooting range so there are a couple of them there's just one 5 minutes from my home and then otherwise also within 10 15 minutes vicinity for example i said shivaji park so there's one right at shivaji park and there's one at matunga so there are a lot of them but when it comes to 50 meters and 25 meters because these are bigger ranges require significant amount of space and also because um, there's a real firearm involved there are real bullets involved which are lethal like the lethal range is up to 1.5 kilometers so having these ranges or even doing those kind of trainings it's, it's a much more serious stricter and disciplined affair so for that purpose we just have one range in mumbai one in pune so i would say about 10 to 15 such ranges span in there so you know what we are walking into right i'm going to look at your handwriting sample for our listeners 
I asked Priyal to write a paragraph uh, in on an unruled paper, and she has written a long paragraph along with her signature. So first thing, I observed your signature, Priyal, and I'm gonna write, you know, jump into it. The first observation that I had is you write Priyal on one line, and the surname Kenny is is below that, so it's actually on another imaginary line that you form. Now what that means that 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 you know having two baselines is you can have multiple focus points. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing okay. something in one area, when you're focused, you're 100% there doing that one activity. And the same thing is applicable to the next activity that you pick up. Now for most people, it can be extremely confusing. So it's also a trait of confusion. But in your case, uh, when I look at your handwriting sample, I don't see confusion. I see focus and clarity even there. So I would say in your case, it is moreover like being in love with multiple things at the same time. But at any point, if you feel that you're not in charge, if you don't have enough idea and clarity, then it can be very difficult. So if other people's confusion is say point 10, your confusion is suddenly point 300. So it's not like 20 because you did two things or not 30 because you did three things. It suddenly exponentially grows because you are either in control or not in control at all. I think I perfectly resonate with these two aspects you said because number one, I am a very multi-hyphenated individual and the most common question I get asked is how do you, you know manage all these things and and the, the most standard reply I literally have is wherever I am, I'm there 100%. So if I'm at work, I am giving in my 100% there. If I'm in the shooting range, I'm giving in my 100% there. If it's the NGO work, I'm physically and mentally there. So it just helps me give in my best to wherever I am at the moment. And of course, when it comes to the latter part where you said about the entire panic part, of course, I am an immense control freak. So I really like to plan my day well in advance. Everything is there on my calendar. And even if one task goes unaccomplished, I just feel that, you know, oh my God, how did I manage to goof this up? I really need to cover up the next day. So I am a sucker for Google calendars. I follow micromanagement. So I think all of them are 200% true. No doubt, like the, the number of students and kids you have impacted, I think people don't even end up doing it in like three lifetimes of at all. And, <laughs> and we just discussed that you're not even in your late 20s to have accomplished one career as a CA, another career as an international player uh, of, of shooting and doing this NGO work. Is, is, so do you take off time or like you're just like on all the time? So uh, this is something that I've actually uh, learned to consciously inculcate in my schedule because previously when one thing after another started adding up. So earlier it was just being a student, then the entire aspect came of being a shooter. Then of course, CA happened, consulting happened, NGO happened. So there were a lot of phases in my life where I actually uh, like failed to strike the balance. And then it, it came to a point where, you know, I was actually feeling extremely overwhelmed because no matter if you doing something that you're truly passionate about, even passion can lead to a burnout. So I started becoming mindful of these things. And especially a lot of this experience happened in the lockdown because when the lockdown started, everybody was, you know, giving all this productivity. Gyan, this is what mm -hmm. I'm doing. This is how I'm making the best out of my time. Yes. At home. And pretty much I fell prey to that. I used to like try and utilize each and every minute of this extra time I had. But now I, I really like hit the pause button whenever I feel like. So there are days where, even if I know I have tasks coming up the next day, if I feel like it, I will not set an alarm and I will just wake up when my body naturally wants me to wake up. Sometimes 
if i just want to like watch a movie over dinner i'll do it so i i keep taking these little breaks sometimes i'll just go for impromptu plans with my friends sometimes i'll just like i don't have great work but i'll travel to office to just catch up with a few colleagues so whenever i feel like taking some time off i i consciously do it are you saying this all started post 2020 Uh, before all, that, all of this, uh, you you mean about uh, this work-life balance breaks. or all the other aspects? Yeah. No, no, taking breaks and just chilling and watching a movie impromptu. You didn't do that before twenty twenty. No, I had done it, but now it's more of conscious. I'm more mindful of you know if I'm not doing it, you better start doing it. Of course, previously it used to happen. I have I have great friends. I used to chill with them a lot, but it used to be something that just happened. I I very consciously tell myself that okay, fine, even if you're not. Uh, even if you don't feel like it before it gets too late like hit the pause button and take some time off <laughs> so what you said was very interesting you know many people and interest you know it so happened that today morning i was reading an article that said how last 40 years we have made passion driven careers that you know you do not have a single day at work if you are doing working at your passion it's always fun kind of stupid ideas that people have propagated and now they're realizing it doesn't work like that like you exactly. and i both would agree like both of us have a passion passions turned into our careers but still it's extremely okay. difficult and there are days where it is exhausting and you really have to look at it so passion is burn out what what when did you find out or have you do you have a, an opinion specific on that uh so i think one opinion i have on that is uh, especially for uh, like given the kind of person i am uh, i'll always try to you know uh, push my benchmarks or always try to outdo myself from where i was previously and uh, in a way I, i was in the space where i was you know holding myself accountable that you know you were here now you need to better it and get your need to better it but sometimes it's just okay to take two steps back because it's only when you take two steps back can you accelerate faster so uh it's it's okay i mean appreciate the little i wouldn't say exactly flaws but appreciate the little times where you know you just let the human being in you take over where you just don't want to be this overachiever you just want to be you you want to take some time off you want to take two steps back and just appreciate the things around you i think i think that's also equally important so priyal when did you realize you are an overachiever and how did the whole journey begin So I think I would still not consider myself as an overachiever. That's something no. that I've been. What else do you want? Like this is like a full plate and phenomenal performance. You have long like dreams bigger than this to be to be called an overachiever. So I'll I'll tell you. In fact, there's a very funny thing. Very recently, I was I was doing an interview and uh, that that person was also asking me, "You're an overachiever. You achieved everything. What next? Or what's your ultimate life goal?" and my very sweet answer was my ultimate life goal is i want to get a dog the day i get a dog i feel i have achieved everything in life oh <laughs> so if if today i want to work hard get a great job or a great get, get a great career it's it's somewhere because in the larger scheme of things i will be able to get myself a dog and i can just be a pet mom oh but but when did you realize like how the journey of you know uh, the shooting began and most importantly in spite of being such a committed player when did you decide why did you decide to pursue ca because the career in ca by itself is consuming and people kind of get exhausted and burnt out there so doing both i'll come to that question but where did this begin so uh, the thing with academics was i always had a very strong uh, academic acumen so shooting happened at the age of 13 but 
right from the age of 8 or 9 i used to win a lot of academic prizes and laurels i used to score good marks i i i was this like front bencher nerd still i am don't uh, hesitate in admitting that i'm a nerd and i am very serious about my academics i'm still very academically driven when it comes to even thinking about studying further or anything of that sort so i was basically engineered into um, being that kind of a person and then when shooting happened of course fell in love with the sport was very passionate about it but i knew right from day one that even if i pursue this ahead as, as a passion i do not want it to be happening at the cost of any of my academic goals because it happened when i was just entering the 9th grade i was already looking forward to the 10th boards 12th boards started considering opportunities after 12 those kind of far sighted things because that's what your peers are always discussing all the time so it was all there in my mind and then i just let the first two three years in shooting i just went with the flow but i think the 12th grade was when i i took the first uh, serious decision because in when my 12th standard results came out i was one of the state board toppers and that was also a year when i had just come back from germany and i'd finished like fifth at a world level at an international competition so that's when i realized that you know i'm i'm probably at the peak of two completely different things and at the end of the day you cannot have two very different goals as a number one so i knew there are going to be trade offs and whenever those trade offs will happen what is going to be my north star what is going to be my number one goal that i will stick to and i i knew it from inside that you know it's going to be academics because if i saw myself 10 years down the line i would hate it if i could still continue with shooting but regret that i couldn't do that professional course or i couldn't do what i wanted to always academically do because shooting is something i can always keep trying it's it's a it's like i said it's a beautiful sport doesn't come with a very early retirement stage age so i think that is what really give me a give me the confidence that you know keep like keep going ahead with the academic goals you have it was fear at that point of time so even uh, when i started my chartered accountancy it was after my graduation so most of my friends were already 2 years into the course i knew i was very late to the party and plus the entire final ca final pass percentage the risks about ultimately not clearing the exam all of it was there but i think i still just took a leap of faith and i decided you know let's give this a shot <laughs> generally people do it after 12th right the ca correct 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 you decided to complete your graduation for any specific reason Yeah, so this happened just after twelve because I was at the peak of my uh, shooting career, and there were a lot of major international competitions like World Championships and World University coming up, plus the Rio Olympic Games. So I was also shortlisted for the trials for them. So really wanted to give that a fair shot. So I knew that um, there were, there are basically two routes to pursue CA after twelve or after your graduation. So I knew that even if I forego the first route, I still have an option to always do it after graduation, which is why. I decided to focus on shooting for those two, three years. But then, when I knew that now graduation is done and this is like the last train, and I have to get onto it, that's when I decided that okay, fine, I'm going to board the train. <laughs> so, graphologically speaking, when people write on this unruled paper, uh, they form an imaginary line on which they write. In your uh-huh. case, that imaginary line, in most cases, is going straightish and slightly upward. Now, what it okay. means. if and i'm also describing it for all our listeners to kind of you know look at their own writing if that happens that means the person is focused on the final goal because the line is straightish but is also upwards enthusiasm is one of the most important reasons for which they would pick up whatever they do and that leads to their own understanding of uh you know what would work for them so you experiment a lot mm mm-hmm. 
right anything I, that you feel excited about you just go ahead and experiment uh, like i totally i mean um i have taken a lot of uh, risks career wise when i when i took it it just seems this exciting new things where i just want to test the waters but now when i look back i'm like oh shoot i actually did that so <laughs> like i said like in the ninth grade when 10th was around the corner i decided to pursue sport and no one in my family has previously pursued sport so it's not that i had someone in the family who knew everything about sport to back me up or, or had a great mentor who could guide me so while i was figuring things out so were my like parents like it, it was a learning process for the entire family you know how sports works how selections happen how to actually climb up the ladder so with sports that was that was a thing even when i started my own ngo it it was uh, pretty much a similar situation uh, didn't have any mentors in the space i literally had to learn everything from scratch how the registrations work how ngos work how it's set up how i can be scaled up so at every stage i've i've like literally decided to venture into like uh, unexplored territories just taken a leap of faith and decide and and, and somewhere deep down i know that come what may i will figure things out i i know at the end of the day i have that kind of confidence and uh, even if there, there have been times where things haven't worked out and of course failures is a part and parcel of it and something that i always tell others and i also tell myself is i am what i am today because i vehemently refuse to give up so even if i've succeeded like three times but failed seven times at the end of the day i have come out as a smarter person i have grown i have learned my lessons which will always help me in the longer run so uh i would say that always challenge yourself out of your comfort zone because that is where your real growth lies so tell us one example where you expected yourself to succeed and you gave your best shot but you didn't okay. so i think this uh the the perfect example for this uh, would be the 2016 rio olympics so uh 12 2012 13 14 15 these three four years i was like representing for india i was there in the both the junior national squad and the senior national squad so i used to be there in the top 10 rankings but when you talk about uh, an event like the olympics you firstly have to earn an olympic quota and even after the country earns an olympic quota only the top two players go so i think even after like dealing ca by 3 years giving it my all really uh, putting in hours of hard work and a lot of determination grit everything went into it at the end of the day the olympic dream is is still a dream it's still a distant dream and i've i've tried my fair share 2016 and tried my fair share 2020 but it still hasn't happened and i think one thing that i i i did tell myself is more than the end goal enjoy the journey and now when i look back it's it's been a beautiful journey of meeting amazing people of growing as an individual because now if i look back and i think hadn't i got that exposure of traveling so many countries training and with so many different coaches i would have been such a different person like sport has really transformed me in, in a in a good way so i'm i'm really grateful for all the experiences but of course it's uh, i still have this distant dream and i've still not given up so maybe some day <laughs> in priya's handwriting i spoke about one letter m formation that looks like mcdonald's m not because it is made up of french fries or something because it's simply well formed with both the hump be completely round now look at these hump formation like some pockets that people fill with lot of information and data these people are generally the collector types they may have tons of books that they have never read loads of clothes that they do not generally wear loads of friends that they do not talk to often basically having this 
quantity around them makes them feel extremely comfortable. I spoke about this stroke a few months back when I was talking to Dr. Sanjay Arora and when I told him that he is a collector, he said, oh my God, how do you know? I've been collecting wines and I've been collecting ties and I've been collecting DVDs and I've been collecting books. That's exactly what this letter represents. Now, if you push these people to make a quick, hasty decision, then they feel startled. It is a source of stress for them because they feel they are not ready. And if the other person, like their boss, their spouse, is really being impatient and sitting on their head to get things done, these people feel paralyzed with that pressure. If that is happening to you, just check your letter M and see if you genuinely need data to support it. In case you feel constantly confused in the way you function, then start reading more about that topic. Do research, listen to podcast episodes on that topic, watch YouTube videos, simply gather data from multiple sources for you to find comfort. I hope this helps. Let's get back to the conversation with Priyal and talk about a few other things, especially also in the next segment about coaching that you might have never paid attention to. So break the process for us. Like if you choose a new say area, so you know how you chose the CS studies or you chose to be a consultant or you choose to start an NGO. When you start something new, what is that thinking process like? I'll tell you where I'm coming from. When I look at your writing, uh, all the letter lowercase letter M or N are very rounded. That means uh, like, like your McDonald M formation, right? That means that you love gathering information. You do not make any decision without having your thorough understanding into that space. You would spend time, understand, mull over things, ask people. So you have multiple ways in which you gather data, but you do gather data. Now, when it comes to planning things, uh, you are a strategist, which means you always have this big overarching idea of what you're going to do. And then you try all the possible ways, like mind mapping it pretty much to achieve that goal. And you get started. Like it's surprising to see how fast from ideation to action is your journey. Like if you have a thought, you get into it intensely doing all the research, sometimes only for a few hours before you jump and actually start executing. So I, I'm so curious to know what is your process like? So I, I think what you said is, is perfectly right. And this hasn't been the process originally when I started off. In fact, uh, I've made a lot of mistakes when I started off early because I did not have the right set of mentors. So I, I can actually think of two big examples right now from school. So um, like my biggest fear, uh, people actually tend to just like disagree with me when I tell them now that I, I do a lot of it. But my biggest fear is public speaking. I <laughs> cannot get onto a stage and speak. And this comes from someone who's like given five TED Talks. So uh, it's, it's always been my biggest fear. And in school and college, um, I was good academically. I was good sports wise. So I was being considered for a lot of leadership positions, a lot of times where you know I could lead teams I could organize events for captaincies and everything but every time I was given an opportunity to you know prove myself there was I remember this one particular time where um, we were we a bunch of us students were selected as prefects and the principal was just having like this leadership orientation with us and uh, he obviously um, knew I was good in academics and sports and a lot of teachers also felt that you know I, I have what it takes to become a school captain and there was this one time where he just call me on stage out of the blue to, you know, just say two, three lines about why I love shooting and why I do it. And 
I froze. I couldn't spoke. I couldn't speak up when I went on stage. I I just literally. I don't even remember what I said. But all I said, I remember. I, I said things that didn't make sense because when I came down, my best friend was literally like, "It's okay. Calm down. Breathe. <laughs> Nobody is judging you. You're we're all friends." <laughs> there have been so many times that you know i could have like actually proved myself was given the opportunities but i always felt i'm not good enough i always felt probably my friends are good enough probably they have more of what it takes to actually be the captain like lead the sports team or lead the entire student council or whatever so there have been a lot of opportunities uh, like these that have been like that have just let go a lot of debate competitions elocution so in fact if i had to map it to the current date i remember when I got my first TED talk. I I literally took an hour out and I was like, it all sounds very enthusiastic, motivating, and ambitious right now. But when it actually comes to stepping onto the stage and going before people, you know, how 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 are you going to even going to manage? Because this is your biggest fear. And time and again, I've gone on the stage and I've just frozen and I've screwed it up. And I was like, yeah. last thing I want is to go on a platform like TED and do it. But still, I said that you know, no, not not letting go of this opportunity, not discounting myself again. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do it. And I was pretty much confident till the previous day. But on the morning of the event, I knew since three months that I'm the first one going on stage. But suddenly, when I knew that in ten minutes I'm going live in front of an audience of hundred people, I was literally like, you know, why am I the first one? Why why am I starting this event? Why can't someone else go before? Why me? Why me? But Finally, I went on stage, and it it was it was a great talk. At least that's what everyone else said. <laughs> so, from a, from a girl that real who was very concerned and worried and scared to say three lines, uh, from there till this girl who went on the stage and actually cracked the code and killed at the speech. What happened? Like what? What? You know, how do you deal with that resistance or the challenge that you have? what do you do like you know i know and i know so many people who look at the same challenge and said okay i'm so good at like these two things or five things for that matter and everybody knows i'm cool so i don't have to learn things i cannot do i can just get away with but for some reason you go and confront your fears and just jump into the deep end and somehow find a way to swim correct so i think there are two aspects to it number one is is this regret of actually having let go of so many opportunities so i don't want to repeat my mistakes so it's it's literally like me telling myself and also having that uh, self realization that you know you will figure things out till you don't really put yourself out there you don't get out of your uh, comfort zone or test the full extent of your potential you'll never know how far you can go so i always like want to you know test myself put myself out there and see and I think secondly, the most important thing that uh, I learned as a sports person is I stopped getting scared of failure. I I now look at failure only as a stepping stone to success. So even if I know, okay, fine, I get out there and I goof up, it's okay. I'm still better than what I was without trying or actually putting myself out there. So just taking started starting to look at failure as something positive or something that's just part of the larger process of learning and growing. I think that is what really really changed me. wow and people take pretty much forever to realize this one aspect that failure is part of the whole journey and you will fail and if you don't <laughs> then probably you're not your your challenge is not challenging enough you're playing very very safe in what you're doing <laughs> true what do you what questions do you have for me so i have like a couple of uh, questions lined up for you and i think a lot of them uh, basically 
uh, stem from my experiences till now and i just feel they are related to areas where i know you can specifically guide me or like really help me out me so help me out with so my first question with would be that you know with the support of family and friends the last 3 years of my life i've seen like a tremendous growth in my career through deep and bounds like if i look at it it's it's literally been a metamorphosis because in 2019 i was just another ca final student and now when we sit in 2022 there is so much i can speak about with respect to experiences and uh, like my linkedin headlines had like a 360 degree turn from being a student so i mean when i when i speak to people this is what i really uh, tell a lot of students that you know just because you're late to the party or just because or uh, you are not where your friends are that doesn't mean that you cannot achieve great things so in 2019 i was a ca student who was lagging 2 years behind her peers and a lot of people told me it was a stupid decision doing ca you should have not done shooting in the first place and now the same people come up to me and they are like wow you are an overachiever <laughs> so it's just that all that matters at the end of the day you put your head down and you do your work people are going to say things they're going to say good things they're going to say bad things you just <laughs> shut yourself up and do your thing so for right now if i always like you know ask myself that if i have to continue to stay on the course of this growth trajectory that i have and you know continue to improve my productivity continue to grow by leaps and bounds what are the few things that i should like really be mindful of i'm not i don't even intend to say it in a pun way but you are a sharp shooter you have to have the next goal in mind even when it comes to your career growth and you just go for it because that's how you function now you know we have this indicator the lower case letter t if people cut that horizontal line on the letter t very high that means they are always looking for a huge transformative goal if they are cutting it at 50% then they're end result oriented okay. extremely end result oriented and i'm looking at most of your t horizontally placed line they are around 50% in pretty much every single letter what does that show about you naturally is when you take up a task you have to have clarity if you don't have clarity you cannot start if you don't have conviction you cannot start and that is your indicator so if you know every person has their own gps mechanism some people are driven by curiosity some people are driven by clarity others are driven by fear others are driven by validation we must sit down and know what is our gps mechanism right in your case it is not validation and that is the reason you could go against the tide in so many ways and you're okay failing in front of you know the whole world if it requires but you would still do what you think is correct so validation doesn't matter so if other people are seeking validation you don't have to be worried about it what matters to you is clarity and conviction okay now sit down and ask yourself what brings in clarity and conviction for me and build mechanisms and tools there as i mentioned that you require data to build your clarity so if you haven't done your research people might tell you anything even if you might have the best of the coaches but you need to do your research you need to have first hand information so you buy books you might not read all of them but you gather information through books you keep going on website you keep looking at people so your observation skills your ability to decode the problem is where you gather information so any time you feel confused ask yourself do i have enough data points here because if you don't have data points you start fighting yourself and you can be highly self critical when you fight yourself you can fight with the whole world 
but when it comes to fighting with yourself you can be harsh and that is very very difficult okay yeah. in your life priyal there is no gray it's either black or white and you mm-hmm. like it like that so you say do you tell me whether you're doing it or you're not doing it when people keep Correct. going here and they're like don't get me involved are you doing it or you're not doing it if that kind of a person right so you just want to have complete clarity yes or no now in yeah. that case when people don't give you clarity is where the struggle becomes more difficult so any area which is dependent on other people's clarity if the team has to get together if you go to do something with them involved you being a self sufficient person you can socialize with people you can enjoy their company for a bit but truly at the core of it you do not need people yeah i i think that's such an accurate depiction of me i mean it's it's, it's kind of uh, like i'm i'm surprised come kind of creeped out that how does someone to just a one pager know so much about me so i think clarity is, is very very important to me and i i really do not seek validation so there are times where i'm like okay fine even if i'm like this one woman army or even if i take this decision where i know maybe no one nobody else will be like really in favor of that sort i i will still go ahead with it and i'll be like you know i'll i'll, I'll do this on my own it's, it's okay i i do not need this um, external sense of validation or support or encouragement that oh we got your back kind of a thing <laughs> <laughs> so now as a leader on your growth curve you know in in your sport you can always be self sufficient count on yourself have, have your own back and grow exponentially in corporate careers no matter which career you choose in most yes. careers you will require people to lean on so yes. i if I, if you want to continue growing in that area i would say you got to like like take it as your project to learn how to work with people but i've seen in my observation all people who are self sufficient independent creators who do not need other people cannot pretend to think that way so when when anything breaks down they get into say micromanagement they get into say okay you can't do it no problem let give it to me i'll finish it because you correct but the patience needed to understand how people functions or the exact ability to read between the lines is an essential aspect to grow as a leader tomorrow correct yeah so, and then this is something that i've been really trying to work on because what you said right many times i really do that that you know uh, if you're not able to do it or if it's too too much for you just just give me the task and i'll do it it's okay i mean as, as far as the work is getting done i'm okay with it i'm ready to do the heavy lifting i'm ready to do the extra work but it's it's okay let's just like get things done it's okay <laughs> right and which is amazing when it comes to being the self accountable person now the same strength and this is what the problem of most high performers are the same strength that you are validated appreciated celebrated for mostly after a, a level become your challenges mm mm-hmm. right they yeah. stand in your own way and very few people can identify that how the same thing which was amazing about me now is not letting me move forward so so self awareness i think will come with time but proactively if you want to start working on i would say build learn building teams even if that means leading two people that will teach you a lot or get a dog that will teach you a lot about <laughs> anyway <laughs> i i i think I, i will just do that now i found another reason <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course 
but uh, i think that uh, very uh, specifically brings me to my second question like you like you said i'm all about micromanagement i i like controlling things i i like planning things in advance and doing it so like we already discussed there are times where no matter how much you plan things just like don't go as you plan mm-hmm. and they just like go berserk and and out of control and yes when such things happen i do not like it at all i i it's, it's quite chaotic i start reacting and then i just want to like implement more control and you know get things done and i'm in a very like irritated annoying phase kind of there that you know i i hate any form of uncertainty so there will be times where i have to gracefully accept the uncertainty so what what i should do to actually work on these aspects that you know it's not always going to be about the journalizing the micromanagement there will be times where you know i'll i'll just have to take things as they come how do i become more receptive to it that now before i say anything i feel you already do that it just that while doing it you go through all these upheavals internal drama bollywood script there so all of that happens so do you accept and come to terms with it of course you do now it's not that you keep fighting it like you at some point you accepted that olympics didn't happen and it will i'll attempt again and it didn't happen and i'll attempt again so it's not that you don't do it that what we want to cut off or reduce or minimize or if possible remove completely is the drama and yeah. the trauma of yeah. this situation right now if Correct. you have to add the drama no not drama drama and trauma uh-huh. of the situation let's understand that if you expect a b c to happen now one is the things should happen the way they should because you know it's like you should go to the next level because the progression looks like that the second aspect is things should happen like this because i have decided so okay right so if the first thing is applicable that things must happen the way they should then you are putting efforts you're doing things you are attempting things over and over again and then mm-hmm. you are like okay i will so for example if you are boiling water and you're like okay it's not reaching 100 degrees say if you're in himalayas or in some mountain you you're spending 10 minutes and generally in bombay it will happen in 3 minutes keeping up levels probably in a minute <laughs> but if you're in the mountain it will take longer and you're like add the process and it's not happening so if you're focused on the process then you say okay can i add more heat should i get another you know equipment appliance so you find how you can solve the problem and until the 100 degree is not achieved you will be at it which you do generally the very moment i come into play not i but the concept of i comes into play the ego they call it my way or highway comes into play then every minute after 3 minutes every second that is spent you think it is going wrong why didn't it happen it should have happened yes. so there is a story and narrative that your mind starts building correct the the trauma and the the trigger happens in the narrative and not in the situation correct i mean the entire uncertainty that comes in is something that i absolutely hate and so there's this one thing that i have noticed uh, in the way my thinking is engineered is when i tend to overthink about such things or any time there's an uncertainty and i don't know whether things will work out or no i always end up picturizing the best case scenario and the worst case scenario and then because i really like to be so prepared and planned and everything every time i pictureize a worst case scenario i'm like okay fine if this worst case scenario happens and none of this actually works out this is my contingency plan and i'm i'm literally like telling myself the next minute that you know the probability of it working out is almost double of it not working out 
and you already have a contingency plan why <laughs> no that's okay see this is what i think it's a great mechanism to cultivate without fighting it for example if you say i do not know what i'm going to do next and that is worrying me coming with a plan of what would you do mm-hmm. correct right? like i've i've spoken to people like that they like, go what if i leave this organization what going to happen and if that is bothering you ask yourself if i leave what all i can do if there are three options and and do it seriously don't do it like just to pacify yourself because that doesn't work sit down and say okay if i fail in that exam or if i don't get this what would i do genuinely and can i be can i come to terms with even that possibility so if you say okay i will take another job if this job does for example you have you have given an interview and you're waiting for the result and the uncertainty is getting to you and you're like okay wait can i apply for another job okay if i apply for another job what can, what is the next level what can i do if that <laughs> job was to work out can i then you know focus on other things that i'm already passionate about now this conversation must be a journaling process any overthinker okay. you know starts cooking up ideas in their minds and they color it now what you said is failure people don't even talk about failure they think about insults and people humiliation all of that becomes very colored now this is where journaling comes into picture keep asking yourself this one question on a regular basis ask yourself if i accept this outcome whatever that outcome that is bothering you what would i change about my situation right now okay because if you don't address the the elephant in the room it keeps weighing you down and then right. you hate being preoccupied you hate your mind not being available when you're doing something right so right. the struggle becomes bigger because the elephant is weighing more and more and more every day you ignore it it just gets to you correct that 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 happens and that happens more often than i probably like it so journaling need not be done when you're worried journaling as a practice must be done every single day so you, even when you have like you know 2 grams of thoughts which are bothering you they should have a space to come on journal then 5 grams and 10 grams and if you keep doing it like that when the day you have like 3 kgs your brain is already prepared to download it on a paper and then you can trust the process but you can't trust it when you are at the on the battlefield to be able to trust your muscles or you know your technique on the battlefield you have to prepare for it and mental workout is an essential essential aspect of that you need to train your emotions to be mentally fit we think about mental fitness or in your case mental training would be to focus better and to get the results better to visualize better but emotions are the driving forces and everything that we do in our lives is driven by the emotional journey so if you don't realize how to channelize them they just come and color the whole canvas not leaving you any space to color anything further so i think what you said is is something that i i also agree with and i personally tell a lot of people is when we pay so much of attention to you know taking care of our physical health and well being why don't we pay equal attention to mental health why is the brain which is so important also the most neglected part of our of of the body i mean if your foot hurts you immediately go to a doctor if your stomach hurts or your head hurts you pop a pill so if you are not feeling mentally right why aren't you doing something about it if if you if you are feeling you're mentally not being able to put in your best why don't we do something about it so i we have taken this process even simpler i'm not even saying you wait for your head to hurt because that happens as as you know problems and solving solution that kind of an approach i'm saying what if like your workout what if you start doing your everyday mental workout 
and that is where we started india's only mental gym the idea is like mm-hmm. a physical workout do mental workout why not to spend that 15 minutes time half an hour whatever is available to you just to reset the way you think the way you feel and then correct. the same situation won't weigh you down the way it does correct correct no i i think that's a very interesting concept and i haven't really come across any so being someone who has pursued a mental sport for almost 13 years of life done a lot of mental training i i cannot uh, emphasize enough about the importance of uh, mental health and also one thing that i specifically love is the power of the subconscious mind i mean mm-hmm. the, the kind of things you can achieve the day you unlock that and you actually realize that by just channelizing your thoughts in the right direction the amazing things that you can achieve are are simply like great <laughs> you are one of the few people i would definitely love to ask what do you do and how do you do that so there uh, is a lot of visualization that i do because that is something that we were accustomed to and trained to as uh, sports persons because uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of situations where uh, you do not get a chance to go on the range and train in advance or to you know physically accustom yourself to a match situation especially these high pressure situation matches like an olympics or a world championships there is so much of pressure that is there on the sports persons because you are training in silos all the year and then suddenly all the media attention comes in there's so much going around so we used to be specifically asked to do a lot of visualization where you're like imagine yourself on the range imagine the kind of situation it is we were we were we used to be put into specific like stress test where we are told that you know you we need, we need, we you need to uh, replicate this kind of output this kind of score so when you accustom yourself to you know performing your best in that kind of stress situations where you've actually done your bit of visualization it used to just happen that on actual match day when you're actually like standing on the firing point you feel that you've already done this 100 times before and you know how you're going to bring your best because you've visualized yourself here you've like thought of all these things you've already gone through the entire process so it seems much more smoother than what it would be had you already been here so visualization from sports is something like i incorporate into the other aspects also so when I, even it was my ca final i used to you know do a bit of visualization that you know i am going for my exam this is it and it's, it's okay at the end of the day just a 3 hour paper so it helped me be at much more ease uh, in comparison to all my other friends who were sitting with me for the same attempt even my first ted talk i did a lot of visualization where i was like you know just imagine yourself on stage making eye contact with 100 other people so when i was there though i was shitting bricks it wasn't as bad as any of the previous public speaking appearances that i've had so visualization helps has helped me tremendously today's coach the coach segment i want to talk about the learning curve now as a leader who is coaching his team or as a coach who is working with her clients it is extremely important for you to keep in mind that your learning curve must be always very steep and you're saying but aditi why it has to be steep i am already an expert and i already know what i'm supposed to do and people come to me because i have gained and earned my authority i hear you but we all know nothing is constant when it comes to leadership especially now when people are changing every now and then our ability to process the information find newer approaches understand other person's context get into their shoes to look at the situation from a different perspective all of this cannot happen if you do not demand 
a constant learning curve that you imbibe you can't ask people to be more learnable if you are not doing it and i'm not saying that you will not be a good coach you might have some great examples and great stories and great anecdotes but all of this won't work if you do not put it into action last saturday i was invited to speak with some entrepreneurs on a panel discussion and one of the questions i was asked is you are running india's first mental gym uh, isn't it risky isn't it difficult and my answer is of course it is difficult you get to really question yourself look at things in a different light and as it is india's only mental gym there is no precedence to look at we do not know what has worked and what does not work having said that if you are willing to take that risk if you are willing to learn on the way and also question your own assumptions your own ideologies your own ways of working then you are constantly learning to become a better professional better entrepreneur better leader but if you don't do that and you only talk about it then people see through you so if you really genuinely want to increase your ability uh, and efficiency as a coach then my friend every year or rather every month or i would say every week actually keep figuring out ways in which you would learn something new because if you do not then your ability to talk about other people's learnability reduces and over a period of time you will be extremely rigid with your ways of thinking your ways of going about and i know this when you are a leader or an authority in the subject you won't listen to this from other people your subordinates or your client you might defend your position by being more authoritative but i am none of that i am your podcaster friend i can tell you that without knowing your specific situation learnability as a coach is the most essential skill one can develop so please drop all your conclusions all your presumptions also your ego and find ways in which you can reinvent yourself every month every week in different ways If you learn something about yourself then take a moment and write to me my email id is right w r i t at aditysurana.com i would genuinely love to hear your story of transformation tell us more about for especially for our listeners about your ngo what exact work you do and how beautiful that is correct so uh, i started my ngo uh, play and shine in 2018 as a non-profit initiative because um i was just at the fag end of my chartered accountancy then and i was involved in working in the social impact space as a volunteer through a lot of other ngos like cry literacy mission so i was uh, looking at making a comeback to that i knew 6 months down the line i'll finish my ca and then that is one thing i was longing for so um i spoke to one of my friends who was now my co-founder and i told him that you know i i just can't wait to get done with ca and then two things that i'm really going to jump straight into is like you know shooting and all the social impact work i do and he had this conversation with me and he was like you know you've always wanted to start something of your own it's been on your mind you want to explore opportunities there and why not merge your two passions for sport and social impact and and start your own non-profit organization and it was a very casual candid conversation that we had but when i came home and i really thought through it i was like this is possibly the best way of giving back to the sports community that's given me so much like giving more children an opportunity to live the kind of transformation i have giving them an access to sport and not just with an end goal of let's build more olympians for india or let's bring more olympic golds for india it's just to enjoy their 360 degree development because i know through my journey as a student not all learnings happen within the four walls of the classroom in fact the best learnings happen outside when you actually go out there and 
and do things and this entire peer learning team learning thing a lot of important aspects you learn through sports because it creates such a good level playing field where you know children just come together especially now when you work at a village level and at at that kind of a community level india as a country is still so widely torn apart by regional disparities communal religious sexual disparities but when children come together through ngo activities they really learn to look beyond all this because when they are playing a game all that matters is what you bring to the team and the game so they really start looking at all their teammates at par at a very early age they start looking at failure as a stepping stone to success girls especially feel so empowered because this is this one chance where you know they play the same sport as boys so they are like they are treated at par with men they stop underestimating themselves they stop feeling that you know that that sports is something that they cannot do they realize that you know this is something that they can do as well so i think all these beautiful um, aspects teaching children about them through the medium of sport is what we do at uh, planchen and i think 4 years later now i can say that it, it's been arms as you're talking about everything oh my god this is phenomenal yes please sorry to interrupt go ahead <laughs> No so I think 4 years later when I I look back and everything I'm just glad I took that decision because at the beginning I was very apprehensive I was like I I don't know if people will even understand what uh, a sports NGO is trying to achieve in fact even when I was giving my first TED talk I decided to keep the title as sport for sustainability and I was like I think people are just going to get bored in the first <laughs> one minute and then not listen to the next of it next half of it because I have I have traveled a lot of Europe and in Europe this this sport for social development culture is is very flourishing there are a lot of sport for development NGOs that actually work in this space but when you think about India we still look at sport as cricket IPL entertainment media glamour we don't look at it from that approach so that culture is is still in the very nascent stage and being one of the first persons to actually like jump in with a few other people already working in that space I knew it it would be challenging because it's not just trying to get work done it's also trying to get other people understand and you know bring their entire shift in mindset that you know sport and sustainability can be used in the same sentence so i had a lot of apprehension but when we started off got the best support from the sports community only especially our peers and our friends who are sports persons loved the idea they were like you know even we want to be a part of it we want to give more children the chance to you know explore sport and it's it's been a beautiful experience all in all like i i would think twice before doing it all over again <laughs> so we had uh, aparna popat who is a double olympian we had yeah. neha agarwal who is an olympian and both of them spoke about this topic and this concern with so much of passion that india and especially rural india requires the sport awareness and people and yeah. definitely need to be brought into this culture of enjoying themselves and and you know competing i think uh, you know we're going to do one show that's a theme that we're going to get all all the ladies from <laughs> the previous <laughs> we've had on the show and just have a conversation i think we must I have that it would be amazing and all of you together can do so much because you you know in so, so many ways all three of you are doing it so i'm going to make sure yeah. that we Thing to take this course further. Definitely, and I, I can assure you that's not going to get over in sixty minutes. And it's going to go on and on forever with all of us on the call. I'm sure. So, so Priya, this is phenomenal. And you said something uh, when you you mentioned that it's such a tall order and it's so tough to get India to be aware of sustainability, and that's why probably we require Priya to do that. 
because you can take any tough task and just break it down and somehow get it done so definitely that skill would come handy so tell us three things that only priyal can teach us so i think uh three uh, things that i always uh, tell myself or are like my go to mantras on every day i think the first thing that i always tell myself is you are you and and that is your superpower because there were times where i used to end up comparing myself to someone else or just try to be someone else and you cannot be that mm-hmm. everyone is different and that is the whole that's that's the fun of it that's the beauty of it what are your strengths you will know best what are your weaknesses flaws you will know best so don't let anyone tell you that you know like the one of my best movies that i like is the pursuit of happiness so don't let anyone tell you that you can or cannot do something like you know from inside and and trust that inner voice like it it's it's worked wonder for me wonders for me so sometimes you know even if i know it's 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 too huge a mountain to scale it's just that inner voice that tells me that you know what just just go for it like give it a shot and see so i think that's the first thing the second thing i would say is um like the greatest learning life lies outside your comfort zone you cannot even oh, yes. uh, un- like estimate what all you can achieve if you get out of your comfort zone so don't ever hesitate to do that and i think the third would be there is no substitute for hard work because i have seen a lot of people with great talent but there there's just a time where they overestimate the talent or just don't put put in as much as effort as someone else does but hard work can take you places like i have put in tremendous amount of hard work and effort into my career and i can already see it taking me so many places so i would say that not necessarily academics like just focus on whatever you think you like doing and and put in your heart and soul into it it, it can really take you places wow so true so true thank you so much for being part of the show thank you for this inspiring conversation and we cannot <laughs> wait to see what all you you realize in your life it's you know it's like the whole journey that you take what all processes that you master not only the result but also enjoy and thoroughly you know be this enriched person so keep us posted we would love to know more about all the things that you're doing and we're going to get you on the show again to do that collective <laughs> jam session with some sports uh, phenomenal sports ladies that we're going to have thank you thank you for being part of the show thanks a lot uh, for actually inviting me as a guest and i'm i'm going to after this i think when read up more about graphology because i'm still trying to process that just a few lines that i wrote on a blank piece of paper actually gave away so much about me i always thought my life was very private and secretive but it just <laughs> seems like I, it isn't at all <laughs> i teach graphology you're most welcome to join any of our batches because the whole journey of not only knowing about yourself but accepting yourself with all the flaws becomes crystal clear when you have personality assessment as your way of looking at it so i think that that's so that's the most romantic one don't get me started i like blush every time i talk about graphology because it's the love of my life i just can't get enough of it wow well, uh, absolutely yeah. love that and i will definitely think about signing up for it once my schedule permits <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me one more time on the Absolutely Right podcast. In the last two years, if this podcast has left you with any impact, any penny drop moment, or you thought that one lesson actually shifted something, I would really like to have your recommendation on my LinkedIn page because, as I mentioned, being a part of LinkedIn Creator Accelerator program, we are making my profile as strong as possible so that I get to showcase it in the best possible way. 
सो प्लीज टेक आउट टू मिनट्स एंड ऑन लिंकटेन इफ यू कैन राइट योर वन पेनी ड्रॉप मोमेंट और योर वन मोमेंट ऑफ रियलाइजेशन एंड ट्रांसफॉर्मेशन थ्रू एब्सोल्यूटली राइट और इवन डेली मेंटल फिट बिट पॉडकास्ट इट वुड बी ऑफ रियल रियल हेल्प फॉर मी थैंक यू सो मच यू वो नो मोर अबाउट माई प्रोफाइल वट एग्जैक्टली आई डू और हाउ आई गो अबाउट माई वर्क यू कैन चेक आउट माई लिंकड इन एंड माई इंस्टाग्राम बोथ ऑफ दैम आर बाई माई नेम अदिति सुराना एल सी यू नेक्स्ट वीक विद वन मोर एपिसोड ऑफ द एब्सोल्यूटली राइट पॉडकास्ट टिल देन हैप्पी राइटिंग